Well, hello, Lighthouse family. How you doing uh, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, you insomniacs, this middle of the night? <laughs> Hope everything's going well with you. Uh, how you doing, Pat? Doing pretty well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, In-group start tonight. Yes. Fired up? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fired up too. It's uh, it's good to get together. I'm uh, knee deep in the middle of uh, studying through First Samuel. So... Mm-hmm. We're, we'll be in our last psalm for our in-group tonight, but uh, but Sunday starting First Samuel. And, you know, like just you ever look around at the culture and go, this is not that great. Yeah. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be that many people times. that are faithful to the Lord and just humbly serving him. And it's it's kind of encour- it's both encouraging and, and depressing to go, oh, that's always been true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, and and God uses faithful people just thinking about Hannah. Mm. And, um, you know, this family is there, they're, they worship the Lord, but there's some, you know, the dude has two wives. That's not a great start. Not a great start. No. Yeah. And, um, and so there's some, you know, they're living as people of their time and, and, um, and the culture is just kind of wandered away and, and God's going to use Hannah to do, to, to do some pretty amazing things. And, um, yeah, so I'm excited. We start a new sermon series on Sunday all about power and and how God has all of it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and just uh, so this fall we'll get some of those cool, you know, we'll get we won't get quite to David, but we'll get all those kind of wacky stories in Saul's life. And mm-hmm. um, Saul was an interesting guy. Yeah. Do you feel bad for Saul or, or do you, are you angry at Saul? I kind of feel bad for Saul, to be honest. I kind of feel bad for Saul, too. Like, it's... He didn't want to be king. It's one of the things about power that... Uh, and just, you know... Like, just... I don't I don't even mean, like, political power, like, uh, like what happens in government. But any kind of, like, position where you're, mm. you know, have authority over people or whatever. It's... Uh, he was in a tough spot because the... The people are shouting, "We want a king," mm-hmm. and we and we like that guy. And uh, and it, God, it's not like God was absent. God yeah. was like, "You want that guy? All right, anoint him. Let's go." And yep. um, but he kind of was someplace he didn't want to be, and and uh, have uh, doing a job that really can't be done. Yeah, you know, and ruling a difficult people. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> yeah. we want a king, but then when it goes we wrong, we want our king to do what I we want. Yeah, him to do. yeah, that's right, and. <laughs> And all of the, the I mean, getting thrown into um, leading wars. He was just not a dude that was emotionally ready to <laughs> to lead wars, you know, mm-hmm. to to lead an army. And so anyway, we'll sift through all that, and I'm enjoying getting all that, uh, you know, in my heart and ready to to uh, preach it. Um, so who's up today? Marion Darby. Marion Darby. This yep. is a wild ride. Yeah. This is if you were just to say hi, this is my friend Marion, you would have no idea. <laughs> None. <laughs> about, I had no idea. About was... the story you're gonna hear. Yep. Um traces God's faithfulness through her whole life. Mm-hmm. But there's been some really like uh movie script worthy scenes in there. Yeah. Um and just like, is there a more gracious like servant hearted person in the world. I, she's, no. <laughs> she's the whole thing. And, uh, and so it's good to hear, hear her story. Um, 
this might be a good opportunity to say we uh, we got three or four more in the tank. Yeah. But we're ready to interview some folks. Yeah. If you uh, have enjoyed this podcast and want to be interviewed and you're around here at Lighthouse, we would love to interview you. Also, we are thinking through, sent out my first email yesterday inviting people to another uh, podcast called Seaside Stories. If there's a mm. good story in Seaside, just somebody that you're like, doesn't have to be a believer, doesn't have to be, we don't. We're not, uh, we just kind of want to celebrate Seaside being Seaside. And as we pray, God help us to be the church, a church, part of the church that, um, that is salt and light and seaside, man, maybe we need to get to know seaside, you mm -hmm. know? So if you know of folks that you go, yeah, we could have a 15 minute to an hour long conversation with that person and hear their story, get their, not necessarily their perspective on all of life, but just kind of hear what kind of person they are and, and um, what they love doing. We would love that. So if you have ideas for that, you can, uh, you can let Patrick know, or you can let me know and, and that'd be great. All right, well, that's too much of me talking. You ready to go? Yeah. All right, Patrick, <laughs> play the music. Will do. So here we go. I am here today with Marion Darby. Marion, my dear friend Marion, you're one of the, the people that were on the pulpit committee that brought me here. I remember the first time uh, hanging out <laughs> together. Uh, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah? Good. I remember one of the first questions you asked me was, how would I get to know you guys as a congregation? And that's really at the heart of the Lighthouse Stories podcast is we just want to get to know each other better. And it has been like, such a genuinely wonderful time just being family together good yeah good. yeah had a good time so we want to hear about your story and we want to hear about what gives you hope and what gives you joy so let's start with your story where does your story begin where are you born i was born in south san francisco oh yeah california all right um went to school and was raised basically all up in the San Mateo County area. All right. For a while, lived in San Jose area. Went to school in San Bruno, which is across the street from San Francisco Airport. Oh, Across okay. the freeway. All right. Um, How many brothers and sisters? <laughs> I wish this was a video you podcast. you want the ones that I was raised with, or do you want the extended family? I don't know. Tell us the story. Who? Yeah, what did life look like? Like, who was in the house when you were growing up? Okay, in the house when I was growing up, there was seven of us. Okay. And I'm second oldest. All right. When my older sister, which is two and a half years older than I, turned about 12 years old, mm -hmm. she got sick and became an uh, epileptic. Oh, man. And had um, a couple other diseases and whatnot. Mm. So I basically ended up with a strong mm. role model. Mm. You to were the, the other six. You were that vice mom, like really kind of taking care of the kids and doing that. Yes. And our mom and dad both around and doing their thing. Working all the time to support us. Okay. And Working my dad, as far as I can remember, my dad has always worked two and three jobs. Mm. So he was rarely home. Mm. And my, it seemed like my mom would work um, swing shift to where we'd be in yeah. school and she'd be sleeping. And then yeah. when we get home from school, she was usually gone and working mm -hmm. so 
we were pretty much um what's it called lock key kids latch key kids yeah yeah nobody in nobody out you stay in the house so if your sister got sick when she was 12 you're 10 mm-hmm. and so from 10 on you're trying to be a kid but really you're also yeah. trying to keep are there diapers to change are you at that oh, stage yeah. oh yeah lots of little ones yeah because the youngest one is seven years younger than me okay wow that was a tight yeah, yeah. group from 12... like i said there's two and a half years between my older sister and i uh-huh. and there was seven of us born in within a 10-year period span wow yeah just... so there was so you're in you, i mean i'm thinking i'm just start at 12 and go down by a year basically each time so you've got like Fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, second grade, first grade, kindergarten. That that's a that's a lot of needs. Yes, that's a lot of different. Is there also a lot of playing? Like, was it a fun house? Is it a lot of a lot of cops and robbers or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were there was six girls and one boy. Oh man! No 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 <laughs> no no. Um, we were how many raised... how many times a month was that kid in a dress? Um, I have very wonderful pictures of my son. <laughs> not not very many. Up. We oh, were no? more the the. We were more the 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 um, tomboy family. Okay, you know the yeah. rough house, the fighting, the yeah. breaking up the fights, and <laughs> one sister chasing the other sister with butcher knives and having to hold them down and getting <laughs> the knives away. You know, it's... If you're going to be a big sister at your house. You need to know a good chokehold. <laughs> <laughs> And how long you can choke them before they're out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's it like growing up at your house? Well, I learned an arm bar very quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I learned how yeah, to de um, my little sister. Yeah, it was interesting. And we were, we were also taught, you stood up for each other. Yeah. Right or wrong. Yeah. You were there. Family. Yeah. 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 And as, as small kids, the older ones, um, we went to church. Oh, yeah. I vaguely remember going to church with my parents, and then something happened, and I've heard a couple different stories, but I don't know which one's true, so mm. I just say I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then we quit going, but then we would meet, we would move, and we would meet families that would go to church, mm -hmm. and we would have people that would pick us up and take us to church. So something happened at church that like stopped your parents from going. Yeah. Man, that's a terrible story. You hear that so much that just, you know, ain't no hurt like church hurt. And so yeah. something happened in the Darby family that not Darby family. What was your Grimes Grimes? Yes. In the Grimes family that dis yeah. disenfranchised your family from mm -hmm. church. But you but your parents still kind of sought out fellowship or Christian friends for you guys. No, it was mm. more. The neighbors would see us once in a while outside or whatever and, mm -hmm. you know, talk to my parents and say, I'd like to take your kids to church. Mm. You know, we went to Baptist Church. We went to Salvation Army. We went yeah. to um, uh, Pentecostal, mm -hmm. you know, wherever somebody would take us. Mm. Do you remember a sense of uh, was this just like place to make friends or do you remember like God? stirring your heart at all in those early days in Sunday school or whatever? The one, not so much because I'm not a student, mm. you know, whether it mm. be the Bible or school, mm -hmm. I was never a student. Mm -hmm. um, so I never read, I never 
um, very shy and very introvert, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't participate type thing. Okay. Um, but I remember when I was probably third, fourth grade, mm-hmm. around in that area, um, a school that was like two blocks from us held um, a service mm. during the week. And I can remember going down there, and there was this young man that was in the military that came back and gave his life back to Christ. Mm. And I can remember something really stirring inside me. And I said, mm. that's the type of man I want in my life. That's mm. what I want. Wow. And I can remember that. As a third grader. Yeah. 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 See, we look at eight-year-olds and think, ah, it's just a kid. That's not true. God is stirring in the heart of eight-year-olds. Yeah. And so yeah. right. So then you, you saw this guy, he gave his testimony, and you thought, he's got something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, for years, I, I questioned it, and I didn't know i didn't know how to go find it i didn't know what to do Mm. um and then we ended up moving so that was pretty much the end of the religious life yeah what when did you move how old were you do you remember probably fifth grade okay so that's right around the time that your sister's getting sick and life changed a whole lot for you right about then yeah. yeah, we moved three times when I was in eighth grade, and I remember that because I had to take the Constitution test three times. <laughs> you, every you school I every went to amendment. wouldn't accept the old Constitution. <laughs> yes, she passed it. It was, no, no this is ours. You have to retake it. Well, the teachers were like, we don't have another plan for <laughs> this three-month period. She's going to have to go through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you took the Constitution test in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Well, that was like what every senior feared at my high school. Mm-hmm. Sen- senior year, we had to, if you didn't pass the Constitution test, you didn't get out of high school. Mr. Miller, my civics yeah. teacher, held it over us with, uh, with much fear. Um, okay, so you're 10 and life is changing a lot and you, move, and you started moving mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so oh, I want to ask you, like, you, uh, you say you, you didn't enjoy school that much. You were shy. There were people there, and you didn't enjoy studying Mm-mm. that much. Did you enjoy taking care of your siblings? Because you are a very like nurturing, caring person. Like you, you did yeah. that very naturally. Did you? Right. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I was in high school, and people start talking about what they wanted to do when they, yep, grew up or got yep. out of school, the only thing that I could say was, "I want to be a mom." Hmm. I want to take care of my own. I want to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And they would look at me and go, you're crazy. Yeah. But that's. That's what you wanted. Yeah. Yep. There's nothing wrong with having a heart bent towards taking care of people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's a very meaningful thing to do with your life. And you really have. Like you've pretty much every, <laughs> around every corner, there's been somebody to take care of. Mm-hmm. So where did you move to in eighth grade? That was up towards San Francisco by the Cow Palace. Okay. And then we moved down to San Jose. Then we moved to Melpitas. Then we moved to back to San Bruno. And was this like your parents finding work? Is that what's precipitating moves? As far as I can recall. and They didn't kind of let you behind the scenes of the family workings. It doesn't sound like you spent a whole lot of time... No, and I don't know that there really was, okay. you know, because <laughs> it might not have been a master plan. As, 
me looking back, it's like they were never really together. Okay. Hmm. You know, because he was always gone and working. And and it was probably about that time, if not younger, that I started working with my dad. Oh, really? And What did he do? Uh, his side job was we would go to... Um, to the train, to the to the railroad. Okay. Unload boxcars. Huh. And either they would either be like the um, the pads, the bed pads, the diapers, the cotexes, whatever, yeah. and we would load them into a, um, a couple of trucks and then take them over to a warehouse and unload the truck into the huh. warehouse. Huh. And I'd rather do that than go to school. Yeah. Or we would. Um, he this would, is like eighth grade ish. Uh-uh. No, it was way before that. Yeah, like okay. third, fourth, fifth okay. grade. <laughs> yeah. So this started like way back there. Or we put um, hospitals together. We even put like Samaritan Hospital up huh. in San Francisco together. Huh. Yeah, put um, we'd get the beds and um, the nightstands and chairs and everything. They would bring them in. Sometimes he would be involved in unloading those off the trains. Mm -hmm. And other times he would um, have other people do it. Mm. And then we would go and unbox them and uncrate them and put them together and reassemble them and then put them into the rooms. Wow. You know, You're like elves. In. Yeah. Like the doctors came in and go, who's been here? It's all set up. That was you. Yeah. So that's that sounds like overnight work. Sometimes it took a couple of days. Well, I mean, it sounds like work that happens yeah. after hours. Or was that like during during the day? During the day. Okay. Just like before it opens and that kind of thing. So you learn to work hard very early. Yeah. And I'm not wondering if some of that isn't why my body is starting to go, ah, we're giving out. <laughs> there's a, you know, after 60 years of this time out, yeah, sit there, down. There's a, yeah, you, maybe you're just doing it in reverse. Now you need to like join a basketball team and <laughs> have recess or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a, this has actually been a common theme uh, at this podcast. There's like a pace that is good. Like going too hard is not great and not going hard enough is not great. You need just the right amount of stress, just the right amount of work. And I haven't just found right... that. No, you, you're a go, go, go. I found that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was high school like? What were you like in high school? Did you, were you involved in clubs and <laughs> no. sports? No. No. Oh. Went to school, did what you had to do, came home. Pretty much. Yeah. Did yeah. You... That's when I started. Um, basically, that's when I started drugs. In high school, yeah. Do you remember? Was it was it friends that led you to that, or was it just? Um, there was a group of friends, and and the guy I that I ended up marrying and having a kid with was okay. um, into it, and we would go across the street from yep. the school yep. before school or during lunch and get high and then go to school. Yeah. And that suit me just fine because then I could just sit there and space out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The you know, was... pregame and like high before school is that's varsity. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you were having to wake up early to do it. And yeah. was there some like sense of, man, like home is hard. There's all these people to take care of and that there was some release there. Do you, you remember that? Was it? No, no. It's just something you wanted to do. Yeah, and it wasn't that I really, it wasn't like I had to do it or I really, uh -huh. you know, like some people start doing it and it's like, I got to go, I got to go get high. Yeah. It, it, I never really, mm. 
I got to a point where I did it a lot, and there was a time where, like later in life, where I did depend on drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I was with the same guy, the high school guy, and we were married, and he didn't work, and mm-hmm. it was you go get on social on um, welfare, and oh, give me the check, and I'll go buy the drugs, and mm-hmm. then he'd do the profit, and mm-hmm. then it's like no money, so then we mm-hmm. end up living in our car living with my dad or my mom and just you know wherever we could and then when it finally got to the point to where the family's gone uh-uh, and we've had enough um then we went and stayed with um this other guy that was a bigger dealer than my husband hmm. and it was like we were hiding out in their attic in his mom's attic because he lived with his mom hmm. and she couldn't know that we were there so it was, here's some drugs, you know, so you just, you did the drugs to stay alive. So, know, there was I mean, no that's food. Uh, from like this hyper responsible helping my dad unload at the train yard to that is a, that's a big, that's a very different version of Marion. So how long did that take? So if you started using in high school. I was probably, my fifth. When I was 15, 16, it was just, like, disastrous. 15, 16. And then it was up until probably 21, 22. Okay. Before it finally leveled off. Okay, so the end of high school is a blur, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, not a lot of studying going on. Never did. Never did. (laughs) Never did. (laughs) Junior high, high school, grade school, just show up and leave and then and, and the friends that you're making are friends that are in the drug culture that's mm-hmm. kind of the peer group and then so are you going home is there conflict with mom and dad do they see you changing are you pretty good at hiding it how's that going um i was never around my parents high okay if my dad knew i was high he would i mean yeah one time for instance we were um what was called up on the hill. There was a hill behind the school and it was school property. Mm-hmm. And we were up there and it was kind of a cold, foggy morning to where you could see your breath. Mm-hmm. And people used to go up there and smoke. So we were up on this hill and the um, vice principal came up there and one of the kids had seen him coming up so they flicked the cigarette and it landed kind of by my hand. Mm. So he said that I was smoking mm. and um, made me stay after school and you know, was going to suspend me. And so I had to walk home because I missed the bus. Mm. Well, it just so happened that both my parents were home that afternoon. Mm. And it took me like an hour and 10 minutes to walk home. Mm. So I got home and my dad asked me why I missed the bus and why I was late. And I just said, I don't know, I just missed the bus. And he says, no, I want I want the reason. Yeah. And I not a good liar. So I says, okay, might as well just cough it up. So um, I told him, I says, we were up on the hill and I was accused of smoking. And before my dad was very hot headed and before anything else was said, um, he took me in the house and um, beat me with a belt for like 45 mm, minutes. Oh my gosh. And then took me back to school and says, I want to the bottom of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So then they told him that um, I was on school property and mm. that they were 
suspicious, but they weren't for sure that it was me. Mm-hmm. And he then he says, well, that doesn't make me feel any good. You can go see. And I was like, just welted in black and blue from my shoulder mm-hmm. blades to my oh, knees. Marianne. So, I mean, he, he's got that type of temper. So to walk in the house high, yeah, I, I, it's not advisable. So it wasn't until he left my mom when I was 21 or 22. Hmm. And I was living with my with my ex's parents and um he left my mom and then once i left my husband then it was like i had to pull my life together to support me and my child Hmm. then it was like all this time i've been He's the man he's supposed to support me because that's mm-hmm. the way I was well, and raised. That, and that was your father. that was kind of your dream. I want to be a mom. Yeah. 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 So were you afraid a lot growing up? Of what? I don't know. Of dad, of consequences, of authority. I've had a lot of fear that I've had to work through. And I don't know. That's why I say of what, because yeah. I don't know. For some reason... I was always, I've had this strong, strong fear for some reason in my head of being raped. Huh. And I I don't know why, but I won't go to the store at night. I won't go to the store to where I know I'm going to be walking out of the store at night. Yeah. If I'm leaving work, I make sure that somebody's with me. If I go to get in a car, I'm looking in the back seat. I'm looking in the front seat. I'm looking under the car before I even approach the car. And... I've gotten a lot, lot better, and I don't have that fear like I did. And a lot of it is due to Fenton Ward. Mm. You know, mm. him preaching and him talking and him breaking things down. And, mm. you know, the only thing you're fearing is death. So mm. why fear? Mm. You know, just it, mm. it finally starts sinking in. And then I got to the point to where I've done so much in my life and Yet I haven't done a lot in my life, but the things that have happened and the things I have done could be shared and used to God's good. Yeah. And if something that dramatic did happen to me, yeah, then instead of swallowing up and becoming nothing or a shell, then that would just give me another opportunity to share with somebody else wow. that can't mentally pull themselves out of it. Wow. You're and so I don't strong. know why I got to that point yeah. to use that as the shield to say I'm okay. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean it's like I can it seems like you you weren't that okay in in those <laughs> late 10 years that there was a lot of danger yeah. around you that you yeah. weren't like protected or whatever so I can see how some fear might be a part of it. Like you and I should rephrase that. You were fine, but life around you is just yeah, very difficult plus, and plus he threatened me a lot you know yeah. because i left him and then once the divorce was final he made the comment that i should have done it years before that and you're still just 21 at this point or? yeah but every time i left him he would come after me and threaten my family and threaten oh, my family's man. horses and threaten me and threaten my kid and yeah you know so yeah there was a yeah there was fear like you <laughs> You had, yeah. I mean, you had to be defensive because you had to defend yourself. Yeah. There was nobody else kind of taking care of you. You had to take care of yourself. Yeah. And God at this point is something you felt as a child, but it's just not. He's not in the forefront of my mind or heart, but 
which is hard to kind of explain, but we grew up knowing there was a God. Yep. And I can remember times of my husband being arrested and me just laying in bed going, God, can't you just take him away from me? Yeah, yeah. You know, and just praying that something would happen. And finally, I got the strength and the courage to do it. Mm. You know, and there was different times in my life that, that I knew it was a God thing. Even then, not just looking back, but even then you kind of said, yeah. oh, I think somebody's looking out for me. Yeah. 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 You know, and it, it's like I say, it's hard to explain. But, you know, as far as worshiping and following, no. Yeah. But I knew he was always there and I knew that that I wasn't alone. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> if any of that kind of. Yeah. Runs together type. Yeah. I th Well, and I think that that's it is like, you know, I. I stole this line, but I always say life makes more sense looking backwards, right? So there's, I mean, you were, there were some dark times there. And I do want you to know, man, I feel privileged to hear this story <laughs> like that. What a, like, what, yeah, a, there's... what a story it is. And those are, I mean, those, I mean, you just described several things that we would say that's a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. If that was the only thing that happened, you would say that was very difficult. And addiction's no joke, especially in your late teens and early 20s. There's a lot of folks that never pull out of that tailspin. Yeah, I think we all know people that yeah. say, wow, what a great person. Drugs have robbed the world of this wonderful person. And um, so you're living, I just have to get this straight. Mm -hmm. You're living in an attic mm -hmm. in secret mm -hmm. in your in-laws. No, no, in a friend, in, in a, a druggies. In a drug house <laughs> attic. Um. In hiding secret, from his mother. Hiding from this drug dealer's mother. That we can only come out and use the bathroom and whatever during the day when she was at work. But once it got to be like 3.30, then it was like, if you're going to sleep here, you got to get in the attic and shut and up. And it's hot. Yeah. And it's cold. And is there insulation up there? Yeah. So it's itchy. <laughs> there's nothing to eat or cook on. Mm -hmm. Like this is, that's dark. That's yeah. a very difficult life. So so at some point, did you just look at that and go, yeah, life well, doesn't seem one to of be the, working. One of the, the things that help, I don't know if help's the right word, but yeah, um, my mother-in-law took my son Oh, and says, until you guys get straight, you're not getting him back. Which made sense to you. Like, it's hard to take care of a child. How old's the, the boy at this point? Three. So a three-year-old in the attic is not going to work. Yeah. Try keeping a three-year-old quiet. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So that was, I mean, that's a significant loss. Mm-hmm. And so what, was there a point, I mean, it sounds like a, a season of points, but was there a, a point, a moment where you just said, yeah, we're, I have to do something different. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. Um, I was towards the end of that relationship. Um, I was living with my dad with my son again, and my dad would always run to my rescue, mm -hmm. you know, whenever I needed. And my stepmother would open her home up anytime that I needed or whatever. She's just, hmm. you know, really great. And I was went down there, and I, I was living there. And he came down there, and he told me that he wanted to talk to me, and he got me in the car, and he put it in reverse and started to take off. And I says, where are you going? I'm not going with you. Mm. 
and he grabbed a hold of my wrist. This your dad? No, no, my husband. Your husband, okay. And he grabbed a hold of my wrist, and that at that particular point, I really mm. felt fear. Mm. And my brother came, and luckily my foot was still hanging out the door toward the door was open. Huh. Got in the car and was prying his hand off, and thank God for junky cars because his car died. Huh. So it was long enough for me to get loose yeah you know and run in the house and it was like you know and then it was like your dad's horses are gone yeah your dad's gone yeah yeah and he was he was he was on drugs but he would he had the fear in me but i wasn't really afraid of him if that makes sense yeah i mean Um, you knew him well he also collected machetes and would throw machetes and oh, just miss geez. my head and they you know just kind of boing Holy hanging out of the wall or just you know punch holes in the walls and just walk by and just go bam and punch a hole in the wall and say mm-hmm. good thing you didn't move hmm. you know so there was a lot of so when you say you're not afraid building. of him do you think there there's fear in all of that do you think you just get numb to it at some point where you think uh, man i just don't have the energy to be afraid all the time or yeah so you leave. Yeah, I leave. Um, With actually, your... it took me finding somebody nicer to finally say, you're mm. right, I've had it, I'm mm. done. Okay. Before I, I walked away. Um, and I knew that it wasn't going to be an easy break, and especially if he knew that there was somebody else. Okay, yeah. They're just, it they wasn't going to be pretty. So I left and my stepmother and my dad took me to a friend's house in a different county city Mm. almost yeah yeah and i lived again hiding for about four or five months Hmm. and where are you with your addiction drug use at this point had you stopped and did you stop by yourself or did you get some help or how'd that work no i stopped by myself um and now we're starting to lead towards alcohol. Okay. So we, you know, I kind of went backwards. Most people go alcohol, drugs, and I went drugs, alcohol. <laughs> Drug, <laughs> drugs are gateway to alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> you can't take drugs because maybe you'll want beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so there's a, so it was more a trade of drugs for alcohol or was there yeah, a but break it wasn't, of drugs? Well, and at that particular point, there wasn't really a lot of either one. Okay. Yeah. Very, very. You're taking little. care of your son. You're working. No. Nope. Just hanging out. And... Yeah, I was. Like I say, I was with the other guy. Yep. And he would go to work. He would go two hours mm-hmm. to work and then get off work and come back. Okay. So he was traveling back and forth, and then. Finally, you know, the divorce went through and he was running from the cops. So he packed up and moved out of state. So I said, okay, fine. Now I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And it took me up until well after I started coming to church to where if I thought I seen him or if Hmm. I felt that if I seen him walk in a room, I would just turn pure white and just start shaking with fear of, you know, what he was going to do. It was, it stayed with me that long. And I don't know what I would do if I run into him now, even now. Well, 
I know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some guys around here that I think yeah. probably would be more than willing to yeah. pitch in. Um, yeah. So, okay, so how does the story move forward from your in hiding for several months your first husband gets arrested uh is on the no he's on the run he's on the run so he he takes off and you go okay well maybe i can re-engage my hometown and family and then all I, that stuff well and... i then i moved to san jose then okay. i moved back in with my dad and my stepmother uh-huh. and then i got a job and then i would what then... age are we at are we just at 22 no now i'm 26 okay so this was this was a long season of fear and hiding and living with dad and figuring it all out yeah okay and then i got a job okay and then i got pregnant oh geez yeah that'll change things and then he claims it's not his oh (laughs) okay So then the pregnancy was really hard. Hmm. Um, I had to go on maternity leave early. Hmm. Um, Where were you working? I'm sorry? Where were you working? At the Capri in Morgan Hill. Okay. Just waitress. Waiting tables, yeah. Which is such a physical job. It's hard to do that when you're very pregnant anyway. And if it's a difficult pregnancy. Yeah. 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 So he told me that he would stay with me and support me. And by now we have moved into our own place. Okay in um morgan hill and he told me he would stay with me and support me and my son until the baby was born Hmm. and i thought okay because that's when you stop needing support and care yeah you have a newborn i'm going yeah okay you know and of course you have this hope that you know oh i love him there's he's going to stick around and you know that whole needy well um type thing and that that um once he sees the baby, he'll realize that it is mm. his and, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, so he wasn't around when she was born. Um, he was out getting drunk because he ended up being an alcoholic. First mm. one was a drug addict. This one was an alcoholic. Mm. And my dad took me, my dad and stepmother took me to the hospital to have the baby. And the day I was released from the hospital, he never showed up. Mm. My stepmother came up and got me. And brought me back to the house. And as we pulled up to the house, him and two of his buddy had their pickups backed up to the house, Uh, packing up and leaving. Oh, my gosh. So I packed up the house and moved back in with my dad. And, I mean, we can all imagine, but you're just feeling abandoned. Yeah, yeah, actually, I went back up to San Bruno to my mom's house for a couple months. And and what's going on inside you? Just sadness. But joy of a baby... But yeah. the difficulty of a baby, but the happiness of cooing and playing peekaboo and all that. And then also, oh, How the disappointment and the fear of that. And <laughs> yeah, that's a whole lot of emotions going on at one time. Yeah. And hormonal going, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I came back down to my dad's, went back to work. Yeah. Um, With two kids. With two kids. Yep. And then um, ended up meeting somebody at work and um, married him, and he adopted Amanda. Okay. Adopted my daughter um, and moved to Watsonville. 
and started working there at a golf course and worked there for uh, 14, 15 years. And I left him. Mm. He was a good guy, but just negative. Mm. You know, and it, it's hard to constantly be around somebody that is a loner and mm. negative mm. and... So those were hard years. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just trying to track Jesus and all this. You haven't you haven't had a met a- Jesus. A in moment. A, a, yeah. No, not yet. A serious relationship not with yet. the Lord at all. So um so how old are you? Like what, what year are we at as your No, I'm probably late thirties, something like that. Yeah, mid thirties. Okay, mid thirties. And would you say like did you spend time because you're a very pragmatic person. You're very like, what needs to be done? Let's get it done. Were you, were you just kind of living life day to day? Or did you have seasons of kind of going, oh, man, this didn't work out like I thought? Or did you have seasons of, wow, I've really like dodged some bullets here and feel like. There would be times that I would sit there and, you know, just kind of look back and go, wow. But if I didn't do this and if I didn't do this and if I didn't do this and if this didn't play in my life, then I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, there's strength all the way through your story. Yeah. Like people of lesser conviction would have been gobbled up by some of these stories and you were very strong. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I've also kind of runs in the family where don't tell me no. Ah, (laughs) or, You tell me no, and I'm prove you wrong. Yeah, you hear everything like a dare. Yeah, uh, yeah. You think everybody's saying I double dog dare you before they say anything. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say. And then when you get to the double dog dare, yeah. watch out. Yeah, I can't tell all of the Tiffany stories because I want to interview Tiffany here sometime. But Tiffany always talks about like, like growing up being like, if there was a boy doing it, I was gonna do it better. <laughs> you know, like, well, going back to my dad, that's how my dad raised us. He would, and especially when it would come to putting the hospitals together or working yeah, for him. And, yeah. and people would tell him, those are girls. You shouldn't be working them like that. Mm. And he would look them dead in the eye and say, if a boy can do it, my girl can do it. Mm-hmm. And probably better. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was always kind of pounded in our head. But yet, on the other hand, my brother was no sissy. <laughs> sure. But he had to iron, sew, cook. Make life happen. Yeah. He had yeah. to do everything we had to do, and we had to do everything that a boy would do. Yeah. You know, so it was it it's was kind of... A, to, it's not a bad way to raise kids, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, one of the things that you have talked about just personally in our friendship is that you were, I don't know what words you've used, hard, strong, like that your heart was, you were mm-hmm. not an outwardly emotional mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, at the end of this second marriage, maybe is kind of the height of that. Do you feel like closed off to the world? Like I'm, I'm tough. You can't hurt me. Kind of. Yeah. You when that? I, after I had Amanda, um, and I was living on my own and supporting the kids, I started to date my second husband mm-hmm. and he was Catholic. So I says, okay, I'm ready. Mm. And I went and talked to a priest and, um, I don't recall his wording, but I was very turned off and shut down by it. Oh, bummer. And I just went, if that's how you feel, fine with me. I, I 
I don't need you anyway. You're Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and that was how I so you felt justified. Like, so, so you feel like you opened up a little and there was maybe a, a window where your heart, you cracked open a little bit and then just got hammered. Yeah. And went, forget it. I don't need any of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, got married and um, like I said, that marriage, I ended up breaking that marriage off. Yeah. And then I met Mark. Hey, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good dude. Yeah. And I just, um, he just made it so easy for me to, it's going to seem weird, to, to be me. Mm. And not not the hard shell. Mm. You're not getting in. Mm-hmm. This is what you see is what you get. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And he's, I, I really feel that he's the one that really shredded off a lot of the mm. onion pill, mm. per se. He was trustworthy. The, yeah. You could count on him. And very, you know, calm and supportive and... Sober. If, <laughs> that too? Yeah. And, um, I mean, just open-hearted, you know, yeah. took in my kids and yeah. they're his kids and, yeah. you know, the grandkids are his and... He'll fight you tooth and nail. Yep. You know, um, they need something, and he wanted something else. It would be what the kids want before what he wants. Yeah. You know, so he really, it was so refreshing and so, mm. you know, like, wow, this is really, this is really something. Is there a fun story for how you guys met? Work. Work. We work together. The most romantic. <laughs> <laughs> we work together and. He was hitting golf balls. He was an instructor. And he worked the, in the pro shop and I worked the in the shop. restaurant. Okay. And it was one of those little cliche things where he walked in and it just kind of snapped my head. And it was like, what was that? <laughs> you know, and I can remember telling one of the other waitresses, you know, I don't know. <laughs> There's something about that guy. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I'm going to knock him down and meet him. <laughs> did, you, did you call dibs? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, a teenager, actually, as you know, I teach a class <laughs> and uh, a, a young man today asked me if I believed in soulmates. And I said, no, nah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you just choose a spouse and then you learn to love. And, mm -hmm. you know, like after 23 years of marriage, I would say Tiffany and I's souls mm -hmm. are bound Match. together mm -hmm. in a way that but that I don't think we're just looking for, you know, mm -hmm. one the one. Per but having said all that, it is true that, like you say, like Mark was just the one that you felt comfortable around and was easy to be yourself and you saw him walk in and yeah and that's a neat story yeah and then amanda is now 19 when you met mark no <laughs> actually funny story about that is amanda was three. Oh, okay and i brought her up to work one day and she went into the golf shop and i had kept everything in check and just mm -hmm. never nobody mm -hmm. knew yep. what was going on and she went into the pro shop one day and stuck her little fingers on the edge of the counter and looked up and says hi i'm manda i'm three <laughs> and every time she went there she had to go in and see mark <laughs> it was like she just give him the update there was this automatic huh. and we always joked that she had a crush on him before i did uh -huh. you know type uh -huh. thing to where it was 
Yeah. Well, when you're when you have little kids, dating's not something that you do just for yourself. I mean, this is something that you're looking for a fit for a whole family. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a huge blessing that yeah. that wasn't difficult difficult waters you had to figure out, but that she yeah. was just happy to look at him and go, "Hey, yeah. I'm a man and I'm three. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Did he look back and say, hi, I'm Mark. I'm 35. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she got, she ended up living with the guy mm. and she ended up getting pregnant mm. and they ended up breaking up and she came to us, which is mm. now a family joke and wanted to spend the weekend. Mm-hmm. And two and a half years later, she moved out. Yeah. So whenever I tell Mark somebody's coming to visit for the weekend, he says, wait, yeah, is it two and a half spot. year weekend <laughs> yeah. or is it an actual two day weekend type thing? But, you know, that kind of fits with your whole like, hey, family, we're all in it together. And whatever you need, whether it's siblings or mm-hmm. whatever, that, that mm-hmm. sounds like it fits your your yeah. way of thinking. And that's why Amanda or Mark and Haley are so close is that he that's the child that he never had Uh, he went through the whole pregnancy with mm, my daughter mm -hmm. with it he's the one that went to the store in the middle of the nights he's the one that went to buy the diapers he's Mm -hmm. the one that got up and rushed her to the hospital and Mm. um, he brought her home from the hospital Mm. so that that bond between those two are very you know they're very strong and then when Amanda was when Haley was when Amanda was pregnant, the doctor told her that he would like her to go get her thyroid checked. And then when Haley was probably a little over a year, I think, um, she finally says, okay, I'll go get my thyroid checked while well, she had cancer. Yeah. And I don't remember which way when I don't remember if... It was after she had the cancer surgery or before she had the cancer surgery. And I and she had met some friends in, in high school and started to go into um, First Baptist Church in Watsonville. Hey, I know that church. Yeah. And um, so I told her when she got the cancer, I told her, I says, maybe this is an indication you need to get your butt back in church. Mm. And she just kind of nonchalantly whipped around and looked me dead in the eye and says, uh, don't you think you need to go? Huh darn and i says okay i says i'll find one and we'll go Hmm. i says but i really think that you do so i kind of feel that her getting cancer is what brought me back to christ really and you say brought you back from the third grade like it had been a long time yes yeah yeah so i mean a long time and a lot of stray roads and a lot of left turns when there should have been right turns yeah but god didn't God's faithful. He hadn't forgotten you. No, and I could you. see a lot of different times throughout all that time that he was there. Yeah. You know, so anybody that feels that God isn't with you because you're wrong or because you're doing what you're not supposed to, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just confirms it more. So how many years ago is all that is your coming back to christ and um well 20 years because Haley will be 21. okay wow and you think about amanda like with a one-year-old and then finding out that she has cancer and all of that 
that's that's a lot of difficulty. And but her cancer surgery was successful. And yeah, they removed her thyroid and some of the outer part of it. But yeah. So, is there a pretty clear like distinction of Marion before coming back to Christ and Marion after coming back to Christ? Like, are are there differences in your heart? You talked about like fear, and I love that you said like that. It's not. Because so many times, like, we would love it to be, and you hear people talk about, I came to Christ and I was never afraid again. Or, I came to Christ and then all my problems were solved and I didn't struggle with sin anymore. And, no. you know, but that's that's not how it usually works. It's usually mm-hmm. a, a journey that starts. It still is. And, yeah. It still is. Yeah. Like, the whole drug thing is completely gone. Yeah. Um. An occasional drink would be nice, but <laughs> now because of physical problems, uh-huh. I can't do that. But I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't lay awake at night going, uh-huh. what'd you do to me, God? Uh-huh. You know, or did I do this to myself? Well, probably. <laughs> you know, who, but, I, you, you, in a way, I think you don't really know. I mean, that's right. And, you know, one of my favorite things about you is that you, not only are you so like service minded. And have the ability to see what needs to be done. Because I, I might consider myself to be sort of service-minded in general. Like I want to help people, but I am no good at seeing what needs to be done. <laughs> 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 uh, but you, uh, you're so good at taking care of people. But you have this real, like there's, and it's funny because there's a, there's an unredeemed version of like, say la vie, like it is what it is. But then there's like a redeemed like that you have this strength of like, hey, we're not going to try to explain everything. We're going to say, what, however the journey has gotten us here, here we are. We're going to trust God. Would you like talk about that a little bit? Like what gives you that? Maybe it's even this. I feel like you have made peace with everything that's come before. And yeah. Yeah. And well, like I say, I feel that a lot of it is... If I hadn't have done some of the stupid things, mm. then I might not be here. Mm. But it doesn't do any good to dwell on something that's in the past. Mm. You know, and I have a hard enough time when it comes to, believe it or not, forgiving people. Sure. You know, if, if they really hurt me, or sometimes if they hurt somebody that I love, yeah, or that, hard. you know, yeah. then... I used to be big on on revenge, but it wasn't me getting the revenge. I used to like to sit back and watch mm. the revenge. Take pleasure take pl- in people's lives falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. And say, well, how does it feel? Yeah. You know, now you know what you put me through. Yeah. Um, but now I've gotten pretty much over that. There's still a little bit there. Mm-hmm. But... I still have trouble, like they say, give it to Christ, lay it at his feet. Yeah. And once you give it to him, walk away and leave it alone. Yeah. I still have this where I have to go back and pick it up and feel that I'm the one that has to fix it. Like I'm the one that has to. So I have to constantly remind myself, give it to Christ and leave it alone. Yeah. Walk away. That's a good word. And if you can't walk away and if you can't say, okay, I'm done as you say, then yeah. why are you giving it to him? Hmm. 
then why it, do you trust him? If you're going to give it to him, then give it to him. You got to trust him. And if you yeah. can't trust him, then you can't give it to him. So you got to give it to him and you got to trust him. So yeah, leave it alone. Yeah. You know, and, and the more you, the more I have trusted him and the more that I have depended on him and the more that I have grown to love him, the more that all of it keeps enhancing mm. each one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like... Um, yeah, it's not like you're mature or you figure out one area and then move on to the next. It's that there's an ever-increasing learning to walk in faith as you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like I've said before, that um, I might not be able to quote scripture and I might not be able to tell you... Um, what happened first in the Bible or last in the Bible or, or, you know, I'm not Bible read at all. Well, maybe a tiny bit, but (laughs) I would definitely say that my faith and my trust in God is as strong as anybody that can quote you any scripture that there is. That's right. Um, And I don't know if you remember that book that came out a while back about the, um, the girl that got asked, the one that got killed in that school. Oh, in Columbine. About, yeah. About trusting God or being a Christian or something. Yeah. And then it was a big thing. Yeah. You know, if somebody confronted you, could you right. step up and say that you were, you know, for Christ? Mm-hmm. And I questioned it just a little bit, but then I thought, no, I think I would be able to stand up and say that. Yeah. And I was up at Del Monte Shopping Center one time about two years ago. And I was walking with my girlfriend, and we had had coffee, and we're walking down, just talking leisurely and walking down the sidewalk. And I kind of spotted this guy and this gal coming towards us, and they're talking, and they're kind of looking around, almost on the shady side. Yeah. Type. Something didn't feel right. Yes. Yep. And he walked up to me and cut me off and got right in my face and says, do you trust in Jesus? Hmm. And without a blink of an eye, I just looked at him and I said, yes. (laughs) And I just kind of just darted back at him and he just went, oh, and turned around and walked away. And when he walked away, all of a sudden I went, holy mackerel, that could have been deadly. (laughs) I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going. Yeah. Well, I guess that answered my question. I guess I could say that, yeah, I'd stand up for Christ, you know. You did, but you don't know. Cassie Bernal, that was that girl's name, yeah. You don't know how. I think it's little things like that that, that happen that show you your strength in God. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you feel that something bad is happening or if you feel like the walls are starting to close in, and you just say a little prayer. Yeah. You know, and it just like, it just opens up and it just. I mean, what you're talking about is learning to walk daily with God, not to make it just one category of your life where once a week or so you go, but to say, hey, capture every thought and take it to Jesus. And he, his like faith is for every fear, for every doubt, for every situation. And that, I mean, you're a wonderful example of, of just walking with the Lord. And, you know, if I, if I may, if I may say like the, it says that if you walk with the Holy spirit, you're going to experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. These are things that you have, like these things are fruit that are falling off of you all the time. And I, so to hear you say, well, 
yeah, I mean, I'm learning to for every little fear. You say a prayer, and for every situation, well, that's how you become a person. Yeah, and it, you know, who's and kind I kind and good. I still don't feel that I'm, you know. Well, you could let us tell you you're that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just stay back in my little shy corner I, here, and the the minute you go, you know what? I'm the best. <laughs> that's that's mm. when the problem set in. So, yeah. so what kind of stuff do you do you enjoy doing? Let's talk about what gives you joy. What's uh, you love family? You're giggling. You know, I have a girlfriend that every we get together, probably every three to six months or whatever. Uh-huh. And when we get together, it's usually like a three hour coffee break type okay, thing. Yeah. And every single time, she'll ask me, "So, what have you been doing? What do you like to do?" <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another theme of this podcast is you say what do you like to do and everybody's like i just work i don't know <laughs> yeah and she do. goes so the last couple of times she'll look at me and she'll say okay i know for a long time the only thing you would say is your grandkids uh-huh. because fair. i go over every weekend yeah. and babysit the kids i know what your grandkids so yeah. quit saying that yeah give me something else you'd like to do <laughs> So the last time I was with her and she says, so what are you doing for fun? What do you like? And I just looked at her and she goes, something other than church. (laughs) (laughs) I went, that's not fair. Yeah. Take away the grandkids and church. That's That's not fair. That's what I do. Yeah. (laughs) And she goes, I know. She goes, you spend a lot of time there. I says, well, that's where I feel the happiest. That's where I feel the calmest. That's where I feel the fullest. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just, and I've had a couple, as you know, downtimes lately, and yeah. it wasn't until, you know, some prayer and some yelling at myself to pull out of it and <laughs> stop it and yeah. and come back and feel like, okay, I need, I need, my service needs needed here. I need to yeah. spread out here, quit sheltering this mm. type to where, so I guess serving is the thing that keeps me going well and i think for all of us like it the more mature in christ you are the more you say yeah i kind of am happiest when i'm serving i'm kind of happiest when i'm not just thinking about me but thinking about other people and especially you're wired to weird. help people no <laughs> no <laughs> if only there was more weird in the world then but you're you're wired to help people and and have a lot of skills and especially making events go well and just making a Sunday morning. Like, look, I always say, like, I could preach a sermon and and pick up a guitar if I need to or whatever. Like, but if we want church to, like, actually go well, <laughs> it is going to be people like you that make it happen. It's certainly not going to be me because I'm lost. I don't I, I'm going to make a confession. I don't know where we keep the coffee. <laughs> I mean, I know about where we keep it. It's behind I, locked doors. Oh, yeah, for a good reason. It's behind yeah. locked doors. <laughs> As it should be. And it's not the locked door where the ice cream is that wasn't locked. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know where the ice cream is. I found that. <laughs> we tell him, yeah. He goes, I want another ice cream. I said, it's already locked behind the doors. He goes, oh, never mind. So he goes in there to look for something, and he grabs the freezer and opens it. And I went, <laughs> he comes out, and he goes, I got another one. <laughs> I found him. Found it. <laughs> Well, Marion, you're such a special part of uh, of this church family, and I love you a lot. And I really Thank feel you. like this is being redeemed, like being finding peace in Christ is the only way you could tell a story like that so confidently. 
And I love to hear you say like, hey, your hope is that people would hear a story like yours and feel like they're not alone, like there's hope. Um, and it's just very impressive. I'm very, I feel very grateful to hear your story and to hear you tell it. And, and, uh, I'm glad we're friends, man. So am I. Yeah. Works I out. am so glad that you took this job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, likewise. Well, that's a good, uh, that's a good conversation. Why don't we leave it there and we'll pick it up some other time. Thank you once again to Marion Darby for being our guest today for Patrick Hawks, pulling levers and twisting knobs. And you guys all have a really great day. Mm-hmm.